Shalom Aleichem Rabbi Isai. Although this week we'll be reading Pasha Shaiftim, being that we have begun the Chaydash of Elul, and just like any Yamtif, without preparing for the Yamtif, a person isn't able to utilize and accomplish what he wants to be able to gain from the Yamtif. When we come to the Yamdirayim, especially Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, Sukkis, if a person doesn't prepare, then there's such precious gems that a person is able to accomplish during these 40 days that if we don't prepare ourselves properly and take advantage of it, it winds up being a tremendous loss. Over the years, many times, I set over this muscle. Of the Dubul Nagid, I heard it many, many years ago, uh, sung in Yiddish. And each line of the mashal was rhymed. <coughs> and later on, I found out that it was sung by Rashaim Waxman Schlitter. And he tells the Dubul Nagid's mashal, and then at the end, he makes an addition. The Dubul Nagid, one time, on Yom Kippur, stood up by the Bima, the Avonatfila, right before Neila, and he asked the following question, Rabbi Yisai, what is it that's so intimidating and so frightening and so alarming when it comes to the time of Neila? As we see from our own experiences in many Batamidrashas, if not all, as intense as the Tfilas may be on Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, when it comes to the Tfila of Neila, this seems to be an extra surge of power that comes out that everybody tries to put in that extra effort. What is the intensity of that moment? So simply we would answer, it's the last chance. Kashbohu is returning, Mala, and it's our last chance before the doors of of Tshuva, the Yisrael are closed, and the Chasima is going to be decided the signature of the din, but the Dubna Magad answered something else as well. He gives the following marshal. There was once a king that had an only daughter, a very special girl, and he wanted the best for this daughter. He was a very wealthy king, very powerful king. He wanted the best for his only daughter. And they kept on looking at certain perspective shaduchim for his daughter. But he wanted someone who was from royal blood. He wanted somebody that was wealthy. He wanted somebody that had good character, good midos, that was going to give his daughter a good life. And they went from one person to one to the next. Finally, they met up with a certain prince that made a very, 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 very nice impression. And he met her daughter, his, he met his daughter, and she liked him very, very much. He was very wealthy, and he came from royal blood. And at this point, the king saw that this is going to be the one for my daughter. Finally, I found the right person for my daughter, my only daughter. And as they're discussing the Shidduch, the son, the prospective son-in-law comes to the king and says, I think there's something important I have to discuss with you before we decide on this marriage, on this shidduch. 
I have very big businesses, very big investments on the other side of the world. I'm sorry to say, but if you want me to be able to marry your daughter, she's going to have to come with me over there. I can't leave that all over there and just come here. She's going to have to come with me. So here the king's left with a dilemma. This is his only daughter, and he cares to have his daughter near him. This is his nachas. This is his you know, continuation of his, of, his, of his dynasty. And not to see his daughter, his grandchildren to be, that was very difficult for him. But on the other hand, he wanted the best for his daughter. This seemed to be the best candidate for his daughter. So after thinking about it back and forth, he decides, although it's much better for me that she's here, but I know this is what's going to be better for her. I'm going to have to forfeit my my interests and my my benefits from her being here and allow her to go with him so that she'll be able to have the life that she's meant to and needs to have. And they have a beautiful, beautiful wedding. And then finally, the father sees his son-in-law and his daughter off to the island that he needed to go to for his businesses. And he watches the boat taking off and waving goodbye until finally the boat is out of his sight. Now, on the boat, things seem to be very, very nice. But then suddenly things shifted in a direction that nobody was expecting. This so-called Prince Charming that was so nice and so pleasant and so, so you know, his midos and his character was so special turned out to be just the opposite. And he tormented and made his wife's life terrible, difficult, challenging. But she was stuck. She had nothing to do. She was stuck by her, by her husband. Stuck. What could she do? After a while, the king really misses his daughter. So he sends messages with a boat to the island where his daughter is living, saying, I, I want to see you. So they hear that he's coming, and they're all excited. You know, his daughter's excited. Her father's going to come. And they start to prepare, and they start to move lawns, and to put out lights and signs and banners, and and make sure that everything's you know in top shape for the king to be coming. Finally, the king's boat sails and comes in, and this son-in-law, who's been torturing and making the daughter of the king's life so difficult, all of a sudden becomes Prince Charming again, and he runs out bowing to his. Father-in-law, he comes, Father, 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 it's so special to see you. Thank you for being here. It's, it's such an honor to have you here. And the king is, a, is just delighted to see his daughter, to see his most his special son-in-law, and how happy he's treating her. How happy, you know, everything just seems dandy. He stays for a little while, a couple of weeks. And then he says, you know, as much as I love being here, I'd love to... You're gonna stay here, but I I gotta get back to my my palace. I gotta get back to my kingdom. So they they understood, and he goes up to his chambers to start to prepare for going back to his kingdom. While he's in his room preparing, packing suitcases and organizing everything, there's a light knock at the door. Who's knocking on the door of the king? Nobody usually comes to knock by the door of the king. He opens up the door, and who's there? His daughter. She says, Father, can I have a few words with you? He says, sure, please come in. 
before she even has a chance to open her mouth, she all of a sudden falls on the floor. She starts to cry and she starts to scream. You can't leave me here. You can't leave me here. You don't understand. He's a fake. You think that he's such a special person that he treats me so nicely. This, when you're not here, he torments me and he tortures me and he makes me, makes me feel horrible about myself. I can't be with him anymore. Please, Father, you can't leave me here. And the king is left stunned. So the Dubna Magad says the following. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made a shidduch between our guf and our neshama. And the neshama is really us. And our guf is just supposed to be a kli, a vessel that's available to help the neshama be able to accomplish what it has to be able to accomplish. And the, the guf is supposed to make the neshama feel comfortable and, and be an assistant to it. But Hashem took that guf and neshama and put it far away into this world. And often enough, instead of our guf assisting and giving pleasure to nish, giving the neshama the ability to do what it has to be able to do and to have pleasure, it torments it with all different types of <clears throat> various, all different types of customs that are not the interest of the neshama. But what's the neshama supposed to do? The neshama is stuck. It's here. It's here with us. The neshama makes the best of it. And all of a sudden, once a year, the king comes to pay a visit. Kashbohu comes to pay a visit. So we prepare. We make everything, try to make everything nice. That's the month of Elul. Comes, the king comes on Rosh Hashanah. And we're all like angels. Hashem, Melech, Hashem, Malach, Hashem, Yimlach, Lord. We're all there. We're all doing tshuva. tshuva. We take on certain chumas that we don't normally do. We're tzaddikim. Gosh, is delighted. Then comes the moment of Neila, and then the Neshama gives out a cry. You can't leave me here. He's a fake. You think he's this person that's doing all these schumas over here and he's working all these things? You think he's sincere? You think he's genuine? He's a fake. You can't leave me here. You know what he's going to do with me after Abdullah tonight? <laughs> he's playing al chait and screaming. You know what he's going to take me? Where he's going to take me after Abdullah tonight? So Ephraim Waxman now continues the marshal. Evidently, divorce wasn't an option in the marshal. For some reason, the kingdom wasn't the king. For the royalty was something which they wouldn't do. But the king says to himself like this. One thing I do know is that in front of me, he treats my daughter the way that she should be treated and he gives me the respect that I need to be respected. And she's happy when, when I'm around and when he's treating her. I have no choice, but I'm going to encourage them and tell them that if they want to continue this relationship, then they have to come back and live near me. And that Rebbe Waxman says that's the pshat after Yom Kippur that we go into the sukkah. The sukkah is a place where we live in harmony together with HaKadosh Baruch I once heard from Shem Shem Pinkas Atzal that we know that a sukkah, even though we're used to a sukkah with four walls, that's for our own comfort, for our own privacy. But Lalachi don't need four walls. Right? It's dependent on drushes and the Pasik. But Mikra Din, you really only need three walls, and you don't even need three full walls. You need two full walls that are connected to each other on an angle. And the third one could be a tefach, 
within three tzvachim away from one of the other two walls. And that's enough to be considered a kosher sukkah. So because of Shem Shem Pinkus, I think B'Shem Darizal, that that's comparing a kosher taking us into his embrace. Just like from your shoulder to your elbow, that's one full wall. From your elbow to your wrist is the other full wall. And your hand is the tefach. And it's like a person taking somebody into his embrace, like putting his arm around him, taking him into an embrace. And that's going into the sukkah. To make that harmony between us, between Hadufan and Hashem. Now, everybody really wants to make that connection in reality with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But sometimes our goof gets in the way. A person has to be able to realize and start to think about what am I in this world for? What's my purpose? What am I here for? And a person realizes that the neshama that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us, the Hayrihi, it's a pure neshama. And that's the tool that we're meant to use to direct ourselves in our lives with our neshama and the goof is just supposed to be something to help us get to where we have to be able to get so then a person starts to think to himself how the main focus has to be my neshama of course I have to take care of my goof I am a human being I have to take care of the physical things that I need but the question is where's the ikker where's the ikker where's my main focus that's when a person eats so you have some people that eat to live, and you have some people that live to eat. So in other words, the neshama is the ikker, and the guf has to be the kli that helps the neshama accomplish what it has to be able to do. If a person is not expected to change himself in one, in one night, in one month, to just change anything, but sometimes we have to stop to think now. We're holding a month before Shoshana. If we take one thing that we think to ourselves, you know, where am I not control? Of my goof. Where's my goof overpowering me? That even though I might know that something's right, I might know that something's correct, it doesn't allow me to direct myself in the direction that I should be taking it because my materialistic and physical needs overpower that. And if we try to identify that in some level, even a small thing that directs us from that, directs us in that direction, that, that could be haskala to the to the Tshuva that a person needs to be able to accomplish because that's the intensity of the moment of Ne'ilah where we have to realize that there's a shidduch, there's a match that's made between our gufa and our neshama and the more that we work on building that neshama, a purpose for life then we'll see our connection to our Kodesh Baruch Hashem, if we work on that now during El, that will prepare us to come to Rosh Hashanah that we'll feel we say that Hashem Melech Hashem Melech Hashem how sincere it'll be and we come to the Alchet of the Vida of Yom Kippur, and that will bring us to real Simcha, Chazban Simcha, say the Sukkot, we go to that Sukkot together with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in that embrace of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's the beginning of Elul now, and we have to take advantage of the month of Elul. Hashem should direct us in the right way that we should make use of that month of Elul, of this month of Elul, and to bring us to a ksiva chsima teva, a good given shiur, and a kashbohu should be the mali kolmish as the benu the teva. Everyone should have a wonderful, wonderful shabbos. Kol